Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Just wondered how how you celebrated and and how how different it was for you, Tom, to, to spend the night in your own bed with your family. I actually spend the night in my daughter's bed because I had five of my nephews and nieces in my beds. If I was 43 and won the Super Bowl, there's no way. I would have woke those damn kids up and said, hey, we got other beds. Sorry, this one's mine. I had a single bed until I got about, you know, I don't know, maybe around eighth grade uh, freshman in high school where my mom got me a queen size bed. But no. Wait a minute. Yeah. I'm picturing laissez-faire youth yes. Sims right. at age 12 or 13 gangly yeah dorky fitting in a twin bed yes like i think your torso would fit in the bed and every limb would be hanging off <laughs> you know now now that i see well, that and, 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 you know it it reminds me of elf yeah right when buddy when buddy grows up and you know the toilets are small and the beds are small and everything's small you're yeah. you're elf i'm elf you're buddy the elf no doubt no what, doubt what about is it your, what is your favorite color uh so uh <laughs> I, uh that was that was fun uh it's wednesday edition of pft live we're one more day removed from super bowl 55 but one more day closer to the 2021 season and one of the one of the old stories, right? There's so many news stories that keep popping up for us to discuss and sink our teeth into and wrap our brains around, like Russell Wilson's clear dissatisfaction in Seattle. We've kind of forgotten some of the old business. Yeah. How about Carson Wentz oh. and the Eagles? And they don't believe they've gotten a fair offer. We talked about this a little bit yesterday, and and I real I just I think that they have done their damnedest to work the market, to work the media, yep. to work everyone into a presumption that they're going to get significant value in trade for Carson Wentz. Yeah. The reality is this has elements of a Brock Osweiler, Jared Goff, hot potato deal where you're trying to unload a bad contract. And the Eagles are trying to unload the bad contract and get net value in return like they're trading to Matthew Stafford. They're not trading to Matthew Stafford. They're trading to Jared Goff at this point. Yeah, right. I mean, it, it is more similar to that. Now, listen, I, I think that Carson Wentz is clearly more talented than Jared Goff. You know that. I do think there's there's more there as far as, you know, the physical potential of the football player. We've seen that in some stretches of time through his career to where at least you go, okay, I mean, again, for my money, you could have easily said he was a 2017 NFL MVP. We saw him carry the team into the playoffs two years ago, which was pretty damn special. So he does have some of those attributes. But, like, Mike, you're right. The market, first off, I mean, there's there's a lot of empty chairs, but we need some of these dominoes to fall first for these teams to get really interested in it. And with the Carson Wentz situation, like, what's Philadelphia talking about? I mean – first off, big contract, like you just said. Okay. Carson Wentz doesn't want to be there. We know that. So you got to unload the money, and now we know there's a guy 
that is there that doesn't want to be there. And added to that, they have a quarterback in Jalen Hurts who's there. The fan base likes. The, the, the Eagles did this to themselves as far as that part of it. They, they're the ones to blame for that. And then the other thing that goes into devaluing his trade value is there is risk. There's risk like we talked about with Carson Wentz. If you get Carson Wentz on your team and he kind of flounders and doesn't play well, you, you're, you might get fired, GM and coach. People are going to go, wait, you traded for him? They, 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 they like Nick, Nick Foles was better than him. Jalen Hurts was better than him. You traded Carson Wentz. You guys can't evaluate quarterbacks. So that's the risk the team is going to take in trading a Carson Wentz. All those hurt his value. They're not going to get what the, the Matthew Stafford deal. That's not happening, Philadelphia. Move on. Just try to get something good out of it. The question that I have is when they put out the word that they don't think they've gotten a fair offer for Carson Wentz. I mean, it's not like saying that is ultimately going to result in an offer that they deem fair rolling through the door. That's not how it works. It's not like you make a complaint and some other team is going to rectify the situation. Sorry, Philly, we didn't realize you didn't think there was a fair offer. Here, how about this? Are you happy now? So what's the real message here? Is this, yeah. and I see two potential explanations. One, they're trying to reel back in the notion that they're willing to trade Carson Wentz if only to, to get someone to offer more to get him, to get someone to believe they would actually keep him even if they won't. Or is this just part of setting lower expectations for what they get for him when they inevitably trade him? March 19 is the action date. That's when a full $40 million becomes guaranteed over the next two years and when a check for $10 million has to be cut to Carson Wentz, less all appropriate state and federal taxes. So that's the deadline. And, and I think back to two years ago. And, and again, look, I'm not, I'm not passing judgment here. I'm just stating facts. Yeah, The Eagles are very good at working the media. They're very good at getting their message out. They're very good at getting people to say what they want to say. And there are ways you can get reporters to say what you want to say. One way to do it. And I'm not saying that this is specifically the way the Eagles do it, but one way to do it is to make future promises. Hey, you help us out here. When we trade Carson Wentz, you'll be the first to know. Okay? That's how the sausage gets made, folks. And it happens in the NFL. And there are people out there who are willing to sell a little slice of their soul in order to be first in line for when the, the, the big pot roast gets dropped on the table. That's how it works. So, and I, I say all that because two years ago, the, the big splash report during one of the playoff games, one of the playoff weekends leading into 2019 free agency was with Nick Foles' contract expiring, the Eagles are going to apply the franchise tag to Nick Foles and trade him. That's what they were going to do. That's what they're going to do. No equivocation, no hesitation, no ifs, ands, or buts. That's what they're going to do. Yeah. And then, Chris, what ultimately happened? Yeah. They couldn't find anybody to couldn't trade. Couldn't find anybody to trade, Nick Foles. With a franchise with a fran tag. Right. Yeah, the $25 million price tag for starters. They couldn't find anybody to do it. Right. So what happened? They didn't do it. So I, I, I think there's a certain amount of huff and puff, but at the end of the day, we aren't going to blow anyone's house down here. That this is kind of their effort to ease back into, you know what, at the end of the day, we're going to take whatever we can get for Carson Wentz. Because we just got to get this contract off our damn books. I, I mean, I think so. And, they, you know, they got to be careful, too. You keep just flirting with disaster and fire and everything like that. You know, all of a sudden, Carson Wentz might get a little frustrated. And he comes out and just goes, I don't want to be in Philadelphia. I don't want to be here or anything. And then goes, boom. There goes your trade value even lower, Philadelphia. So they do have to be careful. And, you know, realistically, you know, what? What? I, I just look at Philly and just go, I mean, I want to say get a first-round pick and move on. What? What? How much do you think you're going to get? I don't think you're going to get a first-round pick. Maybe not. Maybe not. I mean, you might be able to from certain teams. But you're right. They might not be able to pull it off. It might be. Because really, when you break it down, like, and you broke it down the right way, I mean, the, lie, uh, the Rams gave up two first-round picks and a third-round pick to get uh, Matthew Stafford. But you explained it exactly right. One of those first-round picks was – to get the contract from Jared Goff off the off the books. That was here. 
here's our first round put pick because you're taking a huge burden off our salary cap. Thank you. Now, the other was for the player straight up, you know, and Stafford is viewed as special. I mean, the, he is. You say what you want. I know he hasn't won a lot, and there's this negative talk about him, but you know me. I mean, I've had him dancing around my top five and my top ten many a years as far as the quarterback thing goes. He's really, really special talented that way. I mean, you'd hear people say things that no quarterbacks that would go, Matthew Stafford's one of the greatest throwers, passers in the history of football. None of that is surrounding Carson Wentz at this point. So, of course, he's not going to get that type of deal. And you're right. The first-round pick, it seems like they want multiple or first-round pick and other stuff where I just go, that's crazy. If you just get a first-round pick, you should run and say, good, cool, great, we'll see you later, and we're out of here. But you're right. I don't know if a first-round pick does get it done at this point. Yeah, I don't think they're going to get that. And, again, why would anyone objectively think that Carson Wentz is worth a first-round pick? Now, I know the Eagles believe that Carson Wentz's struggles in 2020 can be compared to Ben Roethlisberger in his third season, 2006. Go look it up. Numbers down. Peyton Manning, his fourth year, 2001, got Jim Mora fired. 6-10, and 10, I think, was the final record. Peyton Manning took a huge step backward. But the thing is, the next year, the guys proved that it was an aberration. You can't sell the guy at the low point on the hope that it was a fluke. He's got to prove it wasn't a fluke before the price goes up. It's that simple. Buy low, sell high. You're trying to sell low. If you're trying to sell low, you're not going to get a high price for him. Right now, people look at Carson Wentz, and they're more likely to think Jared Goff than Matthew Stafford. I mean, if there's a scale, Chris, you're right. the, the needle's closer to Goff right now, no especially doubt. with that contract. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't think you're getting a first-round pick right now. Maybe you would have last year, and maybe you would next year, but you're not going to get it now. So what the Eagles have to ask themselves is, do they really want to, to be stubborn and force this relationship to continue when the guy clearly wants out? And here's, here's where the Russell Wilson angle has relevance to other quarterbacks. Once you start speaking with that kind of candor, once you take a sledgehammer – to that wall that quarterbacks previously respected. What's stopping Carson Wentz from going on the record with somebody and saying, I think the time's come for me to move on. You, you want to talk about not getting fair offers. You get Carson Wentz on the record saying, get me the hell out of here. Yeah, that's what I mean. You that's, ain't getting any offers that, for him. You are going to have to do a Brock Osweiler trade to get him off your books. That's what I was saying. You know, they, they, they got to, you know, make sure they, they get this done you know, in somewhat in a, a fast, quiet fashion before, yeah, Carson Wentz gets out there on the horn and starts going, there's no way I'm coming back to Philadelphia. I don't want to play here in this city or anything. And he should. He shouldn't want to play. I understand. I think he's being respectful to the Eagles right now and being a good soldier by being quiet. I think he's done that to, for them to just be quiet since after the season and disappear. So, you know, I, I mean, again, uh, he they, they do. They got to be careful because if he comes out and does that, then it is over and they're going to get, you know, very little. It could go down to mid-round picks. Who knows what it is? But that first-round pick thing, that's going to be interesting. You're right. I don't know. I mean, it's crazy because a guy like Josh Rosen got a second-round pick, all right, and he didn't – like played very little and showed nothing. Carson Wentz has shown – that he could play at a high level. He has. Now, he's also shown he could play at a low level, too. So there is that aspect, and that's where I just think it's interesting. And like you're saying, the talk, the perception around him is negative right now. And I think, you know, to your point, you, 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 the more I talk about it and say it out loud, uh, a first-round pick might not actually happen. I was on radio in Chicago yesterday, and we were talking about what we discussed Tuesday morning, the – question of why in the hell would the Bears want Carson Wentz and why in the hell would Carson Wentz want Chicago? You think they listen? Right now. Again, I, I don't know. I know. This is the other. But I just, I think Chicago was a pawn in all I of think this. so, too. I really do. Yeah. I think that, that the Eagles, in their effort to try to goose the trade market for Wentz, because you got two ways to build leverage. One way is you get multiple teams jostling for the same guy. The other way is you say, we're just not going to trade him. It's like, you know, somebody wants to buy your house. 
hey, I'll offer you this. Sorry, I don't want to sell. Well, I'll offer you this. Sorry, I don't want to sell. The more you keep saying I don't want to sell, the more the price goes up. And that's that ship has sailed for the Eagles, I think. And I feel like they're trying to climb back onto it. Yeah. I just don't know what they're doing at this point. No. I'm not sure they have a master plan. I I don't know. I I think that they they I don't know, at some level, would they like to try to get Carson Wentz to sign on for another season but I think the problem is unless you're going to say to him here's the keys to the Ferrari it's yours again he doesn't want to be there no, he doesn't want to have a competition no. he's already proven himself yeah I, I mean it, there's there's two ways where you could go hey they could maybe get it done somewhat quickly and get it over you know and, and try to just strike now you know with a team that just okay likes them and you get best what you can for him I guess they could play the danger game of let a few of these quarterback chairs get filled up, and now let's see who's left standing. And do they want to now go all in on trying to get Carson Wentz because they've been kind of left out in the dark and looking like, well, we didn't get a free agent quarterback or a trade we wanted. Well, we're not in a great spot to get a draft a quarterback. Uh-oh, what are we going to do? And maybe they can get some teams desperate that way. I mean, that that is one other option I can think of that they might have here down the stretch. But you know, yeah, they're they're in a tough spot, Philadelphia here. They they definitely are, and I don't think they're going to get the value they wanted. The Bears thing, I mean, I'm sure the call and conversation went down. It made sense. Nick Foles is there and all that type of stuff. But yeah, I think it was blown out of the blown out of proportion to like what you said to drive up the price. But again, the problem with waiting, March 19, yeah, the money dollars. thing. Yep, forty million is right. fully guaranteed going forward. Right. And and it's not like Wentz is going to do you a favor at this point and say I'll delay the the due date for my roster bonus. Although he's going to get it anyway, if if he's trying to force this to Indianapolis and he wants to get it done, and if that's the place, the only place where there's any type of a viable offer that's been put on the table, then Wentz has no no incentive to play ball. Because one thing the Eagles could do is wait until after the draft. Teams that don't like their free agent options, trade options, and just decide we're going to roll the dice in late April and try to draft somebody. If they don't get the guy they want, that's when you could get a, a, a back-end trade market for Carson Wentz. And then at that point, you could start talking 2021, 2022, excuse me, draft picks, and you could do something that is tied into what he does this year. I, I wish teams would use that more. I think Carson Wentz would be the perfect candidate. I, I agree with for that. 2022 conditional draft pick based upon games started, statistics, wins, right. something where it can go from a five to a four to a three to a two to a one. Now, I think teams don't like to tie their hands because the problem is when you do that, what, what happens? You can't trade any of those picks elsewhere. They all have to stay in place until we know which one goes to the team that got Carson Wentz. But I, I really do wish teams would use that more often because it's fair. That's the fair way to assess what Carson Wentz should bring in trade, what he does in 2021 with a new team. I don't disagree with that. You're right. The guy that's kind of been as hot and cold as Carson Wentz through his career, yeah, it protects both sides. You know, yeah, we don't know what we're going to see. We could see the Carson Wentz who's throwing dumb interceptions and never gets on a, you know, never gives up on a play like we saw this year. Or, yeah, like, you know, again, to what you're saying, we see the guy that carried the team into the playoffs in the 2019 season, the 2017 Carson Wentz, where he went, damn, this guy's a player, a baller, you know, but you're right. Right now, there's just not been a lot of consistency as far as the in-between part, and that's where it does make it very, very tricky in the trade, and I still put out hopes for, you know, or, or, or the Colts are still the team I am looking at because Frank Reich, I think, had a big say and them drafting Carson Wentz in Philadelphia. I think there's a real liking of the player and the specimen there from the head coach, Frank Wright. I think, too, he fits into that system, obviously. And, you know, I, I feel like he'd be a Ballard-type guy. I don't know, but we just know. We talked about this yesterday. Ballard is the type of guy that, you know, he believes in his ability to build the team. He's not going to just sell the farm just to get one guy. You know, he, he is not like that. And I have a hard time thinking he would do something that or, or succumb to the pressure and trade off too many assets just to get Carson Wentz. In Kansas City, Patrick Mahomes will be getting surgery on 
his injured toe today. Now, it may not happen in Kansas City, but it relates to the Chiefs. Dr. Robert Anderson will be doing the surgery. I think he's in Charlotte. So Mahomes getting that toe fixed, the torn tendon in the big toe. The fact that he went to surgery that quickly. It, it tells you it all. What's that tell you? It tells what's all tell of it, you? right? It's like we talked about. It, it really, we should have... All the warning signs were there. You you laid it out perfectly yesterday. The fact that they brought Matt Moore on the trip told you there was real concern. And then we saw him play, and you're right. Usually with this type of injury, if it wasn't that bad, right, they'd hold off on a few weeks. Hey, go take a little time off. Do your thing. You know, it's not that crucial. But I, I think he's miserable. I feel like you could see it on his face walking around and like pregame, you could see it. I remember looking at pregame going, damn, he looks really like concentrating on something. And the more I think about it, I think he was more going, damn, this toe thing is shooting up into my brain. Who knows? But I think you're right. It says a lot that he's getting surgery today already this quickly after the game. I mean, the bottom line is that rest wasn't going to heal it. No. Rest isn't going to heal it because if rest was going to heal it, He'd have been he's better. got months right. and he's got months that he can rest going forward. You know, surgery is always a last resort. We get so desensitized to the fact that these these gladiators from time to time need to, you know, have some work done under the hood. It's a serious situation. It can lead to infection. It can lead to all sorts of complications. There's no guarantee that he's going to be fine going forward. We know we'll hear the surgery was a success and he's already ahead of schedule in his efforts to recover from it. We hear that all the time. And then we find out later that there was an issue. Rob Gronkowski, Tom Brady had yeah. a, an infection from from his ACL repair in 2008. Alex Smith, Alex we heard Smith. the other. Alex right. Smith is the, yeah, I mean, Alex Smith is the prime example of what can go wrong. 97 surgeries, right. His his infection, I think, was, was uh, a lot uh, more related to the fact that the, the bone broke through the skin and all of the bacteria on your skin, and there's a ton of it. Once it invades your body, you got a problem. Yeah. That deep in the bones and stuff. But regardless, things can happen. There can be serious complications. There can be serious issues. And uh, you don't do surgery unless there's no other option. Yeah. And, and it, it just it underscores that this was not some minor inconvenience. This wasn't a mildly ingrown toenail. This was a torn ligament in the great toe, the big toe, the captain of the toes, the toe off which you push your body weight right. as you run. Right. Yeah, exactly. It, it's a brutal, brutal injury. I've had it on the slightest scale, nothing like that. And it can it can really, I mean, bother you to, to degrees where you're just like, man, I mean, everything. And so it is a brutal injury. Uh, there's no doubt about that. They got to be careful about it. You're right. I mean... Again, obviously it was serious, too, because he got two weeks of rest and he was worse than he was in the AFC championship game. You know, like and, and this is a guy, Mike, you know, I got a man crush on him. There's not really a play the whole year that I haven't watched Mahomes on film and done all of it. He was not normal in that game. And what's more amazing is what he did. Not normal. I mean, Mike, I sent you that clip right on social media last night with the um the little inside the NFL thing about the Bucks players on the sidelines watching Mahomes. I don't know if you watched it or not, but it just tells you it all about what these guys think of this player and how special he is. Chris Godwin. I just, uh, I just assume anything you send me has a virus. Well, it might. It might have a virus, and it might have some other things involved <laughs> in it too. So you got to be careful. But, but. Like the whole clip, Mike, just just to let you know, like it's Chris Godwin and Mike Evans just sitting there going, oh, my gosh, how did he get out of that? Oh, my gosh, how did he throw that? Oh, my gosh, he's a magician. It's unbelievable, man. And they're looking at each other. Mahomes is unreal, man. Mahomes is unbelievable. I mean, because they're looking at that game going, wait, most quarterbacks under this duress, the game's already over and we're up 54 to nothing. And yet they were still sitting there like, I don't know if we've won yet. I don't know. Oh, my gosh, it's not over yet. And that just tells you what a special, special player he is. And, and it gets back to the point that we made in the aftermath of the game, not to take anything away from Tom Brady, but if you put Mahomes on the Bucks on Sunday night and Brady on the Chiefs, well, the that's Buccaneers just, are still the champions. That's just a part of the conversation I always feel like gets missed a little bit with the quarterbacks in general, and that's not to take anything away from Tom Brady. Brady is so amazing. Damn. I mean, he really is. His leadership skills, the stories you continue to hear, everything like that, the greatest leader, the greatest people skills in the history of the quarterback position, that's not even a question anymore. 
The Chiefs last night placed outside linebackers coach Britt Reed on administrative leave while this investigation continues regarding the crash from Thursday night that injured two children, one of them seriously. Britt Reed hospitalized, had surgery. And there was a tweet yesterday, I think, from Dan Wetzel of Yahoo Sports that police at a press conference declined to get into the specifics, but made it clear that within 30 to 60 days, the full report will be available regarding this incident, this crash. And there's a, a lot of questions that need to be answered. Wetzel lays it out very well. Britt Reed lives about a half hour away from the team facility. Wow. The accident happened one or two exits down the highway from the team facility, and he told police he had two or three drinks. Where was he drinking? Was it at the facility? What do the team know about it? What should the team know about it, given all the surveillance that's there? These are these are tough questions that yeah. are going to have to be addressed. We're not we're not making accusations. These are just obvious questions that basic curiosity will spark in a situation like this on a Thursday night, nine o'clock. It's not like going to a bar or a restaurant in a pandemic. Maybe he did, but but these are all things where the movements. You know, we hey we carry around this device that allows a record of our movements to be recreated like that. And the the cops will know exactly where he was, where he'd been, and it's very easy to begin to pinpoint when, where, and how he consumed the uh, the beverages that he said two or three, and we know how that goes. We know yeah. we, we we you know we know when someone says two or three, you multiply it two or three times. Um, but again, we're going to defer to the final investigation. Yeah, of course. Tough questions. Tough questions need to be asked, and uh, tough questions are going to be answered by the Chiefs, whether it's outside officials or whether it's the NFL asking those questions. All right, let's take a break. Division odds are out for 2021. We're going to play a way-too-early edition of What's More Likely when PFT Live continues right after this. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. When you look at the Raiders and the Chiefs, what in your mind is the distance between the two teams? Um, I mean, I really don't think there's much um, because the first game we won, the second game, you know, there's, you know, they score at the end when, um, you know, our, if you ask people on defense, they say, you know, we can't let that happen. Yeah. And um, but those are two games that we feel like we uh, we should have won. And we don't feel like that that gap is that big, honestly. Whoa. <laughs> hey, they beat them. They beat them, right? The only team to beat the Chiefs in the regular season in a game that the Chiefs were trying to win. Yes, the Chargers won week 17, but they weren't trying to win that one. The Chiefs weren't trying to win that one. So, uh, I don't know. Is it that? Is, is there a gap? I think the problem is the, the Raiders can get locked in and focused on the Chiefs. It's the other teams yeah. they play on the schedule they have trouble that's with. That's it. That's exactly the <laughs> point. You can't just measure yourself on that. 
You can't. Yeah, okay, the way you compete with them, you've been built to compete with them. You know, the problem is, like you're saying, hey, uh, Raiders, it's the other seven losses we're concerned about. Where you said to close the you close the gap, but like the Chiefs beat those teams, they they beat them, and they've consistently done that. So I understand what he's saying, man. He's one of the young superstar talents in our league, Darren Waller. There, but you know those are ones you you, you got to be a little careful with because you haven't got to the playoffs yet. So let's not talk about closing the gaps on the two time Super Bowl attendees. And even though we just ended one round of playoffs and have a long way to go until the next regular season begins. We're going to play a way too early edition of What's More Likely with odds provided, as always, by our friends at PointsBet. The division odds, the likelihood or otherwise of a team to win in its four-team configuration. Let's begin with this. What's more likely? The Chiefs win the AFC West again or the Buccaneers win the NFC South? The Buccaneers did not win the NFC South this year. The odds for 2021, Kansas City minus 400. That means you got to bet 400 to win 100. And the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are minus 140 to win the NFC South. Bet 140 to win 100. What's more likely? I think that I would go with still the Chiefs winning the AFC West. And, and again, the Buccaneers, I expect them to be really good. It's just the fact that. Hey, the, the New Orleans Saints are still there, and I don't really care if Drew Brees is there or not. They win without him very well. I mean, a lot, a lot of it. So I'm not – that's where I think there is. We're in the AFC West, yes, the Raiders are, you know, getting better. We see the Chargers with Herbert, and, you know, the Broncos showed some encouraging signs too, but there's just nothing I can latch on there yet to go, oh, I think they can overtake the Chiefs in the West. I don't see that. So I'm going to go with the Bucks. What about you? I mean, I'm going with the Chiefs is, to win the AFC West. Who, who, who the hell is Herber? Herber? Who's that? <laughs> yeah, Justin hey, Herber. You left, you, left, you left some letters off, but that's okay. <laughs> they, 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 they know, know who we be. <laughs> um, I'm going to say the Buccaneers. Okay. Uh, because I don't see a contender. Now, look, the Saints are always going to be the Saints. I'm, I, I don't want to get any, any hostile text messages from anyone who's going to suggest to me that I'm not properly giving the Saints their respect. And, Chris, you know who we get those text messages from. <laughs> But but without Drew Brees, I got I got to see it to believe it. So right now, going into the season, I would say the Chiefs coming off of what happened this year, you know, a little shine, a little shine off the the helmet. Sure. And and here are the Bucks. They're they're parading around their their trophy. Yeah. And uh, I just I don't think any of the other teams are going to be ready to come up and take that that division title from them that they didn't win this year. I know that they won the crazy. better prize. It's crazy. Yeah. It's a, they're in, it's an interesting division you know, all together too, because Atlanta does have some talent there too. You know, we saw them be a little bit of a pain in the butt for Tampa Bay this year and Carolina too. It, it's a tough one. You know, both teams are extremely talented. And, you know, again, let's not forget, I know the luster is worn off the Chiefs a little bit, but, you know, best right tackle in football, first round pick at left tackle, other linemen hurt. You know, they're, they're a different team when they got that up there too. Certainly, and Mahomes healthy to go along with it. But I, I hear that's a toss-up question. Both teams are so damn good. Well, and look, the Chiefs' fire will be reignited for yeah. 2021. Patrick Mahomes, an intense competitor, and he's going to want to get back there and win it next year uh, to make up for what happened this past season. That's for sure. All right, let's move on. What's more likely, the Steelers to repeat as the AFC North champs or the Titans to repeat as the AFC South champs? Uh, the odds aren't in here, Pete. Do we have the odds? There are the odds. Baltimore is the plus 110 favorite, although no one's in negative territory there. The Steelers all the way down at plus 280, which tells you where they are. Cincinnati, well, I, I tell you what, plus 2,300, I'd, I'd, I'd put a saw buck on the Bengals. Those odds are, I think those are too long. I think the Bengals have a chance to make something happen next year. There are the Titans at minus 115. And uh, with the the Texans, and I'd have the Texans below the Jaguars at this point, well, wouldn't you? Look I, at that! I, I, Jaguars I, at plus sixteen hundred, and Houston at plus a thousand. Houston's in disarray. They're one of the most dysfunctional teams in football right now, and we don't know if they're going to have Deshaun Watson. No, I know. I think it'd, I'd probably have it at least equal to Jacksonville as far as you know at the plus sixteen hundred thing there all together. I mean, what are you going to go with? Go ahead. I want you to go first here. Steelers repeat as AFC North champs or Titans? No, repeat? Titans. This one's easy. This yeah, one's it easy. is easy. 
Tight. Right? I mean, yeah. the AFC North is just too damn good. Uh, I mean, we see. I mean, yeah, the, the Steelers won the AFC North. You know, whoopity-doo. Whoopity-doo, okay? Because I, I think the Ravens were a better football team as a whole, and I, I think Cleveland was right there very much equal to that as well. So, yeah, I, I'm with you. The Titans, we got to worry about the Colts. It's really one team. You know, there's, there's – and like you said, in the AFC North – that bottom team with Joe Burrow and Cincinnati, there's some talent there. There's something to build on to where they're not going to be a pushover next year either, I don't think. I agree with you there. And, and one thing that we learn every year, now we're back into the offseason mode where we assume for the purposes of all debates, arguments, and takes that everyone's going to be healthy all year long. The great wild card that screws up everything is the reality that guys are going to get injured. And that changes things. So, I mean, we saw it two years ago with Ben Roethlisberger, gone in week two with the elbow injury. And, and I still am not 100% convinced that the Steelers and Roethlisberger are going to work out their contractual stuff. Yeah. I, Ed Bouchette had something last week on The Athletic about it. I've been meaning to write about it. What did he say? Uh, it, it intrigues me. Just It's just yeah. because the two sides say they're willing. It, it's you, you got to work it out. It's still got to be done. Right. I mean, we assume that all the Steelers want to do is take the money that Roethlisberger is due to make and convert it to a bonus and spread out the cap dollars. But what if they want to pay him less? I mean, yeah. he said, I don't care what I make. Well, what does that mean? You're going to make the minimum? I mean, okay. I, I, so, I mean, yeah, some of these guys, and, I want to just go wide to do it. Who cares? I mean, you got so much money. I, I, I'm just speaking to me. I really think in right. my, my, my own self, if I was Ben Roethlisberger with the way the team is, how close I'm in the end of the tunnel. I'd almost do it like with Drew Brees. I'd go, sign me to a million-dollar contract. I'll play for peanuts this year. I don't give a damn. Let's make the team good. Let's make one more big run. I got enough money in the bank. Let's go. Uh, like, that's what I would do. I'm just not a big fan I know. of making it known to the world that it's one more year. Yeah, and I'm, I'm scarred that, yeah, by what happened with Brett Favre in Minnesota. Mm -hmm. Now, with Jerome Bettis, and that's the most immediate and easy comparison for Ben Roethlisberger – they got close in 2004, so in 2005, one more run, one more go with Jerome Bettis, and they won a Super Bowl, and Bettis walked off into the sunset, and I'm sure that Roethlisberger would like to try to do that. The problem is if it goes sideways in September and October, he's going to regret. I mean, I don't think this team is so close that you say, oh, just come back for one more year and yeah. it'll, be, it'll be fine. I, right. I think that there's a huge gap. Right? I, I don't want to say huge. There's a gap yes, between a the gap. Steelers and the Chiefs, the Steelers and the Bills. They'd have to have a lot of stuff fall their way to end up in the Super Bowl and win it in 2021. Yeah, I, there's definitely some. I mean, we talk. I mean, there's some reconstruction that needs to be done with the Steelers on the offensive side of the ball. The offensive line, we've talked about that. The approach on offense altogether. You know, running back. All they got. They got issues. There's no doubt. Not con like not to where you go. Oh, concerning issues. You're right. I, I still look at them and go, it's a playoff team, but I think there's parts that certainly need to be improved so that we start thinking about them as a Super Bowl caliber team, which is what we didn't think of them, you know, after that first loss to Washington and we went from there. We Every week we started to go, oh, it just doesn't look right. It doesn't look good. There's issues and they got to fix those. Uh, what's more likely, the Bills don't win the AFC East or the Jets don't finish last in the AFC East? The Bills uh, obviously are the favorites at minus 170. The Jets, the long shot at plus 1,600. So do you have Bills not at number one or Jets not at number four? Well, I, I, I feel like sitting here, you know, mid-February, gosh, I, I just I think I got to go with I think the Jets are going to finish last. I do. I don't think they're ready to climb out of that yet. So uh, I'll go with the Bills don't win the AFC East just because Miami is legit and you never know New England and, and the, the, the way their salary cap is set up and where that goes. I think they'll still be a player in this thing this year. The Jets, I think, right now are clearly the least of the four teams in the AFC. So, yeah, I'll go with the Bills don't win the AFC East, even though I think they will. Uh, but it's just for this exercise, I think the Jets do finish last. Yeah, I agree with you as well. They're on the right track with Robert Sala, but yeah. it's not something that you immediately see the Jets 
turning it around and becoming a team that's going to contend yeah. in, a, in a division that, that has some pretty good teams between the Dolphins, the Bills, and the pa the Patriots are still the Patriots. I mean, with that crap roster, they still went 7-9. That's right. So they make some improvements. They've got the cap space to go out and chase some free agents. They could be a lot better in 2021. What's more likely, Washington repeats as the NFC East champion or the NFC East winner gets 10-plus wins? I guess this is one where we could say both. Uh, you, you could say both. Um Oof. 10 plus wins in this division, the way they're set up right now. I, I, it was a weird year. I got to think one of the, I'm going to go with the NFC East winner gets 10 plus wins. I don't know who that's going to be. I'm not going to just say Washington repeats. They were, it was very close this year. They were even a little fortunate down the stretch. So I, I, I'm going to go with the NFC East winner gets 10 plus wins. I just don't know who that's going to be. I really don't. That's the odd thing. Yeah, and you saw the Cowboys there as the favorites in the division at minus 125. And Washington, despite winning the division, Man. they are in dead last in the odds at plus 800 for the NFC East. All right, what's more likely? The Packers run away with the NFC North again, or the Vikings, true to form, Get back to the playoffs. Odd year playoffs, even year no playoffs. Odd year playoffs. That's right. We love him. We love him not. We love him this year. Okay, good. All right, that's where we are. I, I think if you're going to still give me my option there, mm, I'm still going to go with Green Bay running away with a division. I am. Uh, like Minnesota, certainly could see them right there in the playoff hunt, a lot like we saw last year. Yeah, I, I, I think Green Bay is clearly the best team in that division right now. With Chicago and the quarterback issues, Detroit, their new reconstruction reconstruction of the organization and things like that, I'm going to go with Green Bay one, runs away with the NFC North again. I agree with you as well. The thing that really stands out to me, Detroit at plus 2,700. Points bet, not a big believer in the kneecap-biting Lions <laughs> for 2021 and Jared Goff and everything that goes along with it. And look, for good reason. I, Whatever the Lions have cooking, the meal ain't going to be ready in 2021. I, I am comfortable so. putting myself right. out there saying that despite what could happen on the Old Takes Exposed Twitter account with that with that take, I, I, am, I am content in my belief that we're not going to see the Lions win the NFC North in 2021 all right one more real quickly what's more likely the nfc west winner gets the number one seed or all four nfc west teams make the playoffs i mean this one did not i mean come on what, what, what are the chances of all four teams making the playoffs in the nfc west we like talking about it but it's not going to happen it's more likely the nfc west winner is going to be the one seed I, I know but i mean geez it's so close this year it's not like crazy with that division it really isn't but i i still think that I would go with the other one as well, that the NFC West winner gets the number one seed. You know, but that's not going to be easy. There's no guarantees with any of this, th either one of these ones for sure. I mean, I, I, Tampa Bay, of course, we know. Green Bay and Rodgers are going to be damn good. And I'm still not throwing New Orleans out of there. You know? Well, but that, but that's the thing we got to remember. NFC East, the second-place team, whoever it is, may not be very good nfc north second place team whoever it is may not be very good comes down to whether or not the saints will be good enough to take one of the three wild card berths from the four teams in the nfc west or the three teams that don't win it so there is look it's going to happen eventually with those three extra wild card spots at some point the planets are going to line up in a way where all four teams from one division make it to the playoffs it's going to happen yeah. it will happen I, it's at some point and i hope i live long enough to see it um when we return Super Bowl 55 players who were, to borrow Chris's phrase, swept under the radar. Unsung heroes coming out of the championship game. We'll draft them next here on PFT Live. Oh, baby. This is Tecmo Bowl Streaker. Now, can I just say one thing? I grew up at a time when streaking was a fad. You're not a streaker if you have clothes on. You're just an unruly fan. So this really isn't a streaker, but that is a very accurate recreation of the guy who was wearing some sort of a thong uh, bathing suit thing, and he managed to not uh, take his pants off and show the world 
the the full uh, thong experience, which uh, I'm sure plenty of people are happy that didn't occur. But yeah, it's not streaking. Streaking means you're naked. I don't know when that term yeah, right. became used generally. Not that I encourage any of that. I'm just right. saying back in the 70s, that was a thing. There was a popular song, very popular song called The Streak. I had the 45 back in the days. Boy, this really this really makes me feel old because I am. Did you, the, the 45 where you had to get the plastic clip to put it in the middle to get it to play on your, your record player back in right, – Sounds cool, but it's all right. I mean, anyway. streaking, you know, it, it made it out of the 70s too. I mean, one of the funniest clips of the last 20 years of movies, old school, we're going streaking through the quad. Yeah. I mean, he's That's butt it. naked. That's I mean, streaking. On. Yes. That's right. streaking. Right. I have a feeling that if we had the appropriate surveillance footage – of the period of time that Christopher David Sims was between 17 and 23, my guess would be that at some point, some night during those six years, there would be footage of a butt-ass naked Chris <laughs> Sims running around somewhere. Well, good thing they didn't have the iPhones then. Good thing they didn't have the iPhones then. There might have I been multiple not, nights. You just I don't know. I am not a cat. <laughs> might have been in the plain old daylight, too. The hell with the nighttime. The hell with that. <laughs> All right. Trivia right. question for the Unsung Heroes Here draft. we go. All right. It's, uh, it's based around Leonard Fournette, who had a phenomenal playoff run. First player to score a TD in all four games of a single postseason Ooh. since who? So I don't oh. even know the answer. I'll help you. I'm going to try to – let's talk this out. Ooh. It's got to be a team, of course, that got to the Super Bowl right through the wild card Larry round. Fitzgerald. Wow. Boom. Good job. Way to go. I would not have got that one for sure. Well, the first thing I thought of is that 2008 playoff run where he just, he just found a, a higher calling. Right. Yeah. And just went crazy. It was kind of a guess, but they were a wild card team that you remember they were nine and seven. Yeah. People were saying they didn't belong in the playoffs and they went on that tear. I just assumed he scored a touchdown in every game because he was awesome in every game. Yeah, so he, I got he lucky. was. All right. Devin I would have thought Terrell Davis, Devin White. Go ahead. That's a good one. Go well, ahead. But they always had buys. Yeah. So no, it, it he was had all four it. games. Well, yeah. 1997. He did it. That first year they beat yeah. the oh, Packers. Remember, all they right. made it as a wild card team. But sorry. Go ahead. I Okay, uh, Devin White, yeah, the guy that I would have voted for as MVP of the game. Obviously, Tom Brady with the three touchdown passes, and the Tom Brady is going to get it. But and and I, I was saying this yesterday on PFTPM. If football had the equivalent of the hockey con Smythe Trophy, which goes to the MVP of the entire postseason, it would be Devin White without question. I mean, he saved them against the Saints. He he lifted the team to a higher level defensively to allow them to get past the divisional round. But but even in the Super Bowl, I think that that his performance and everything he brings to the table and the fact that it was the defense, not the offense, that won that game for the Bucks, I'd go Devin White. Yeah, I I, I think that's hands down the pick right there. There's no doubt. Yes. I you know, again, I, I wish there was a way they could show a little love to the defensive people in the Super Bowl a little bit because we know it's become such an offensive quarterback award altogether. But amazing. Um, best best linebacker in football, either him or Fred Warner out there in, in San Francisco. All right, my, I'm going to go with Todd Bowles. I mean, just off of that. I mean, Todd Bowles, way to freaking go. Unsung hero. What he did, he broke out of the mold of being Todd Bowles to win a Super Bowl. Uh, I mean, that's what I think is amazing. And, you know, to add to that, by everything I see when I watch the game back on film and all that, Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy didn't think he was going to break out of that mold. They called plays like they thought it was going to be the same old Todd Bowles. He'll blitz. He can't help it. That's what he does. Let's torch that again. Oh, guess what? Todd Bowles self-scouted thyself and said, not this week, son. And he gets it done and was awesome. I mean, just awesome with the disguises, the different coverages, just a few blitzes, five of them the whole game, but just at the right time and crazy enough to where Mahomes couldn't figure out what it was exactly that was coming. So way to go, Todd Bowles. I'm standing on the same side of the ball, same position that I selected earlier, Levante David, the guy who's just become forgotten. He's the guy who was there. He predates everyone. He was drafted in 2012. Think of all the crap he's been through. And to team up with Devin White, Neutralized Travis Kelsey, relatively speaking. I know he still had 133 receiving yards, but a lot of that came after it was uh, well into garbage time or what should have been regarded in hindsight as garbage time. But Levante David teaming up with Devin White and providing that that strong presence. You know, we talk about 
the defensive line and how important it is to getting to the quarterback and the back end, how important it is to keeping receivers covered. A lot of times you, you take for granted, you just gloss over the guys in that middle level. And for the Buccaneers, White and David, without them, they don't win that game. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. I like it. And, I mean, they're, they're phenomenal. You're right. They played the a defense to put pressure on them, and they got it done. All right, my next one, uh, I'm going to go with the Bucs, uh, the tackles, the offensive tackles. I mean, I want to go with the whole offensive line. But, man, Donovan Smith, Tristan Wirfs, you mentioned him earlier in the show. I mean, they were just phenomenal all year. We didn't hear Frank Clark's name called on Super Bowl Sunday. He's one of the better pass rushers, DNs in football. He was not even on the telecast. That's because of those guys. They were amazing all game long. They got to get some credit. Vita Vea is Ooh. my last one. Yeah. A guy who we were stunned when he was brought back to the roster from injured reserve before the NFC Championship game. He was great. He was awesome. Not that the Chiefs really tried to run, but part of that wall that was putting constant pressure on Patrick Mahomes, not that he could track him down. There was one play where you could see him kind of chugging after Patrick Mahomes, and it's just like he ran out of gas in an instant. But, hey, he's a big guy, and he hasn't played a lot, but he did a lot in the middle of that defensive line. And, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so he gets he gets a little praise, too. I got you. Yeah, Pete wants me to go with Carlton Davis. Carlton Davis was very good, but it was a lot of zone and safety help, Pete, so I can't go with him there. I'm going to go with Sue, the guy who actually led the game in sacks. He had one and a half sacks in the damn game. He was really good, you know? Oh, wait, and here's another odd thing about the game, but just the referees. Sue threw a right hook and punched Mahomes in the head, and it didn't get called. You know, again, they beat the crap out of him, but it was blatant. He punched him in the head, and it didn't get called. Mahomes said, hey, he punched me in the head. Uh, weird, but Sue was dominant. A physical presence, all playoffs, all season long. Way to go, and Dominican Sue. Sue has perfected the art of, of giving guys the business in a way that it's not immediately obvious he's given them the business. He's been doing that for a long time. But, hey, that's what football is sometimes. Yep. All right, let's take a break. We'll wrap up this Wednesday edition of PFT Live right after this. Step right up if you want to get a look at the guy who is presumed to be the number one overall pick in the 2021 draft. Trevor Lawrence is going to throw for scouts on Friday and then have surgery for a labrum injury in his non-throwing shoulder. So, look, the Jaguars are presumably going to take him with the first overall pick, but hey, you don't know what's going to happen. Somebody may see him throw and say, we got to have this guy. We're going to make the Jaguars an offer they can't refuse. And Urban Meyer is going to look at it and say, hey, instead of Trevor Lawrence, we're going to take all this other stuff that we can get. So who knows? Who knows? Uh, depending upon how Lawrence throws, he may cause someone out there farther down in the draft to fall in love with him and do whatever they have to can to go get him. Well, he, he's I don't think there's any doubt he'll be the number one pick. There's just no doubt. Yeah, Whether it's Jacksonville or somebody that trades up to do it, uh, that is, you know, I've said it before, he's really like a Justin Herbert. He's the same type of player. I think he's going to come in and take the league by storm and make throws all over the place, Mike. That's it for today's edition of PFT Live. Thanks for some of your time. We'll see you back here again tomorrow. See ya. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.